0: Yesterday, I got a a call on the phone. Um, Somebody was wanting me to vote a particular way. Twelve minutes later, I got another call. A few hours later, I got another one. A few minutes after that, I got another one. And uh, I think all of us are at a place where we're going, I'll be glad when we're done with this. Um, It's very important that you vote. It's very important that you pray about who and what to vote for uh, whether you're fully engaged or not Uh, i think that we have to recognize that god judges countries nations by how they respond to his guidelines now i will say that i have friends on both sides of the aisle and uh, if you ask me privately, I'll tell you very specifically what I believe should happen in government and why. But at the same time, uh, we need to have a respect for others, but we should at minimum fulfill our duty as citizens and uh, get out and vote. So I'll let it be at that. Um, I think. You know, obviously, it's a very crucial time, and a lot of us have probably put more energy into this than we want to. You know, more thought has gone that way, and you know, you get done with that, and your COVID's almost on the back burner, and you're kind of, going, I want to be done with that too. Um, I tend to be a glass half full, or no, a guy that's glass 99% full. I just as soon get it done and get it over with. But uh, I'm very concerned of what's happening with our nation and the rest through this at a multitude of levels. And yet, I have bigger fish to fry. And that's why I'm going to the scripture. Because ultimately, no matter where the nation goes, what's happening in our hearts unto the Lord is going to weather time. And ultimately, when we stand before our Maker and we're looking at the eternal issue, um, everything else is going to seem relatively insignificant. And so it's very, very important that we keep that in our thinking and that we keep, first and foremost, our heart's desire for God. I uh, I, I, I wanted to share some thoughts on zealousness because... Uh, for one thing, that just the zealousness of different groups This has caught my attention. But beyond that, uh, there are times when we live um, out of fear, where we don't necessarily give our best effort or full, throw ourselves fully into something because we're afraid we might fail. Or we, we're afraid that we might disappoint someone or even there are times when our envy of someone else is doing something differently is such that we get double-minded and we, we fail to just really press on through. And yet, um, the, the Scripture encourages us to live a zealous life. And that, in a sense, is giving everything we've got. Um, in Proverbs, you hear, Don't let your heart envy sinners, but rather be zealous in fearing the Lord all the time. Now, if you want to take that into a New Testament context, Jesus was asked about the greatest command, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So in that, you're going, what's left? You know, if it's all out in these areas, then there's a zealousness about what we're doing in the Lord that that we're called to. The second command, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you know, he goes on to say all of the law and the prophets hinge on these things or depend on them. So it's that important that wholeheartedness be attached to what we're doing and how we live. And I guess I just, you know, I'm going back and I'm going, okay, what what measures the zealousness of my life, so to speak? It's not a bad question to ask ourselves. Um, There's a couple four-year-olds in this group that you ask one of them, and they're going to tell you about dinosaurs, everything they know about dinosaurs. It isn't necessarily accurate. It's not necessarily reality, but it's a great deal of information, and and they've thought about it quite a bit. You ask another four-year-old, and they're going to tell you about their dress and the frills and how it just... You know everything is perfect. You know, because their minds are are zealous into those things. Now, as as we grow up, things change. I can ask some guys, and they're going to start telling me about their hunting equipment. You know, and it's like, okay, okay, take a breath, <laughs> and then it's just on to the next round. You know, and. and you ask different ones, you know, and it's, if you listen, it doesn't take very long to find out where the zealousness goes, right? And yet, um, the challenge becomes, is, is this really worth the investment of where I'm going with all of this? Um, I remember having a conversation with a young man that I'd known since he entered college, and then he'd... Graduated and gone on, and kind of lost track of him. And then we spent some time together, and there was just a dullness over him in conversation that I didn't remember from previous days. And then, and then we got into this area, World of Warcraft, and suddenly he was animated. I mean, really animated, and telling how he did this and this, and how he had people working with him. And I'm going, "You're wasting your life." And it was one of those moments where I just kind of going, really? This is where you've gone? I thought you were an intelligent guy. You know, <laughs> I know, very judgmental. But uh, it was one of those times where I'm going, you've taken all this promise and ability that you're holding and you've channeled it into something that really is not going to bear fruit long term. And yet... You, you know, standing up here, you're going, yeah, well, I know what you're into too, and it's not all that great, you know. <laughs> That's the reality of our lives, right? But when we're drawn back to the Scripture and we're encouraged to pursue this thing with all energy, it's easy to just start beginning to sort through and say, is that really coming across with my life or isn't it? Romans twelve says, "Don't lag in zeal; be enthusiastic in the spirit. Serve the Lord." In the context of that, um, there's a love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in mutual love, showing eagerness, honoring one another. So it it includes that idea of loving others, and then later on it says, "Serve the Lord." So you know, surrounding that idea of a call to being zealous in the spirit. Is this idea of really caring for others deeply and, and serving the Lord with all your might? You know, it's it's taking it with intensity and saying, "This is where our lives need to go." In the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Phineas. He was a priest, and the children of Israel were out in the wilderness, and they'd gotten into some nonsense. They'd had a a battle with the Midianites, and you know, the they'd. The Midianites had brought in a prophet, and he goes, there's nothing you can do against these people. They, as long as they're with the Lord, they're safe. And then he gives them some advice later, and basically the idea is carried across in the story is that if you can get them distracted, then there's hope for you. And what they do is that they step into some immorality together, and and it really gets crazy, and you realize this is a group of slaves coming out of Egypt. They don't have their own forms of government very well established. And there's a distinct potential that the whole thing is going to blow up and fall apart. And uh, this man named Phineas um, takes a spear and he drives it through a man and a woman. that we're laying down together. And uh, he stops the trouble in that moment. And God says, because of your zeal, I'm going to honor you, and your descendants are going to be a part of the priesthood. I'm going to continue to give them that line. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And so that zealous action brought God's favor enough that he says, I'm even going to bless your descendants. And so there is a premium put on a heart that's sold out to the lord now there are plenty of things that say there can be zealous things done that aren't very good right in proverbs it says it's not good to be hasty and miss the way you know if you're all emotion driven and there's no nothing backing it that's not good either you know it's it's easy to get all excited and and just you know, make stupid choices. But in this, um, you know, there are several stories that stand out, and one is with Saul, who in his religious fervor, he's a a king of Israel, he makes a decision, we have had a people group that we entered into a covenant with that we really didn't want a covenant with them, but they fooled us, and yet we made this vow before God, let's just end it, let's be done with them. And he kills a batch of them, and then the land goes into a time of famine, and even though this is several hundred years after the covenant, and and you're going, you mean God kept track all that time, and it, it they couldn't just throw it off, or, you know, no, you made a vow before God, and it was important. And it's like, whoa, I'm not sure I want to... I'm not sure I want to chase the implications of that very far, right? Because what does that mean about today? Or did God just say, "Oh, you know, that was the Old Testament; doesn't matter." Jesus says it's better not to make vows. You know, he's, he he addresses that situation and says, "You know, you're better off just saying yes or no. Don't get too far into this." But that said, Saul does a religious act but it doesn't bear good fruit. And then in the New Testament you have a man named Saul again later becomes Paul and he makes this declaration he says in my zeal I for the god I persecuted the church. And he declares this several other times and you know the idea is he says I was religious and devout but the very things that we doing were destructive to what God's real agenda was. And so it's important that we don't just start defining religion for ourselves and saying, well, this is what I think should be done. But rather, there should be a calling out to the Lord that says, God, what do you want and what do you desire? Um, when people tell me, you know, I, I... I do my thing, and the man upstairs does his thing. I'm going, that's not a good choice. You know, you may think that that's a a good agreement, but he hasn't necessarily entered into that agreement. You know, you're making a call, but you, you made this authoritarian choice that wasn't yours to make. He's already laid out the facts of what he desires. He desires a whole heart unto him. And so, you know, looking at that, um, Paul says, even of his fellow Israelites, he says, they've been zealous, they've been religious, but it's not in line with the truth. What a powerful insight. And he goes on to say that, you know, they've formed their own rules. They've done their own codes But it doesn't live up to what God wants. In other words, Christ took over what the law was doing. And he says, if you embrace Christ and you accept his forgiveness and you accept his path to salvation, then the Old Testament law isn't crippling you anymore. But rather, he will write his law by his spirit on your heart. And so it actually doesn't, it doesn't diminish, it just raises up the bar and says there's a way to live even better. Jesus was known for his zealousness when he goes into the temple and he says it's become a marketplace, and he throws over the money changers' tables and drives people out, and, you know, forms a whip with cords, and you're kind of going, that would have been amazing to watch as long as you were on the good end. You know, it wouldn't have been pleasant to have all of your industry, so to speak, just turned over. But that said, the disciples looked at it and they remembered Psalm 69. Zeal for your house has consumed me. And they're going, man, he was he was living this out powerfully. Um, he was living like his father. It wasn't, it wasn't just an emotional outburst, but he had seen his father exert zeal. And we're not used to associating emotion with God because at times we see emotion as weakness, right? There are times when emotions will betray us. And, and so if they're not linked in with our mind, we're just kind of, oh, I don't know what to do with this. And yet the very way that God has described to us is saying he's a zealous God. And there are declarations made about him. Um, In Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah has a number of these passages, but Isaiah chapter 9, around Christmas time, we start reading Isaiah 9, 6. It talks about a government coming on one who's David's descendant. And it talks about the specialness of this person. And we recognize him as Jesus Christ. But the next verse is his dominion, dominion will be massed, vast, excuse me, and he will bring immeasurable prosperity. He will rule on David's throne. And then you get to the very end of this passage, and it says, the zeal of the Lord's heavens, of the Lord of heaven's armies will accomplish this. And it says, There's a time coming when Jesus, as we know him, the son of David, is going to rule in a way that we've never seen before. And it says, heaven's zeal is going to accomplish this thing. Now, I want to give you a story that takes place during Isaiah's time because he's aware of the power of God and how things were working in a way that maybe is different for us. In 2 Kings chapter 19, a man named Sennacherib, an Assyrian general, has come to um, take over Judah. Now he's conquered Israel proper, but Judah and Jerusalem are still holding out. And he's parked his armies there and they're jawing back and forth and and he's telling them, what makes you think that your God will protect you? He didn't protect the other nations that I conquered. And they call out to the Lord and Isaiah comes with a prophecy and says, You're not going to have to worry about this. He tells Hezekiah the king, God's going to take care of you. And there's going to be a sign that you're going to see this and you're going to know that you've been provided for. Well, what happens is one night, it says the angel of the Lord came and slew 185 Assyrian troops. And so they pull back and go out. So that means that not even the whole army Was destroyed, but 185,000 people. That goes way beyond a little surprise and, and attack by individuals, right? It's a very big deal. It's something no man could or no group of men could pull off in surprise, and yet this takes place. Sennacherib goes back to his town. He goes to his temple to worship, and his sons kill him. He never comes back. So Isaiah has brought this prophecy and there's this awareness. God can do incredible, powerful things and the armies of heaven are real. And so he's he's, he's, he's seeing this and he, and he knows that there's more to the story than what we normally think about. And so some of the other verses that he comes out, in Isaiah 37 he says, for a remnant will leave Jerusalem or come out of Jerusalem. So after this battle's over, there's going to be a remnant to settle this land again. Survivors will come out of Mount Zion. The zeal of the lords of heaven's armies will accomplish this. So again, it's this idea, a victory will take place, but it goes beyond our expectations. In Isaiah 59, he, he again has this image of the Lord. and He says, he wears his desire for justice like body armor. So he's looking at a soldier. He's aware of these battles going on. His desire to deliver is like a helmet on his head. He puts on the garments of vengeance and wears zeal like a robe. So he's he's describing the work of God, and he's saying his zealousness is just part of his clothing. It's part of who he is. I find it intriguing because in Isaiah 63, now Isaiah 66 chapters, in this final section, Israel is calling out to the Lord and saying, Have mercy on us. Please come and help us. Look down from heaven and take notice. Where's your zeal and power? Do not hold back your tender compassion. So, in other words, in your loving kindness, And all of that energy that you have intervene on our behalf. They're calling out and saying, and in this passage, you say, you've given us hearts that are stubborn towards you and we want to be different. And yet we keep making dumb decisions. And God begins to answer back to him and he says, well, I've made myself available. I reached out my hands to you. You weren't listening. And yet he goes on to say, I am still going to do a new thing. I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to save a remnant of this people, and I'm going to place them there. And the idea is that even though in our hearts we've wandered away, even though we have lived just Completely different than what was asked of us. God, in His gracious compassion and zeal, continues to do a good work on this earth, and He reaches out to His people, and He desires to invest, so to speak. I, I look at that, and you know, in Isaiah 66, it says. I will show special favor to the humble and contrite who respect what I have to say. And he just says, I, I'm going to reach out to those that will respond to me. And just as the new heavens and the new earth I'm about to make will remain standing before me, says the Lord, so your descendants and your name will remain. So here's this people group. They're wondering if they're even going to survive at all. And in the short term, they're promised that, you know, they're told later on the Babylonians are going to come get you, they're going to haul you off, but I'm still going to bring back a remnant. And then there's an awareness that this thing is speaking beyond the temporal as well. In fact, beyond our days, when the promise of a new heaven and a new earth is still out there before us. And the declaration made by the one who is able to slay 185,000 people in one night. And the one who is able to predict that a general who has all these troops surrounding the city, that he'll have no power over you. And the one who is capable of saying, but you are still going to wander and I'm going to have to take you out of here by a different nation but I'm going to bring you back, and he does. All of this before the fact. Comes with a declaration that there are a new heaven and a new earth to look forward to. And that's got to be the driving thing in our lives even now. That when we look at it and we say, yeah, I really want this nation to flourish. You know, there's a a good reason for that. When a nation flourishes, I flourish. We all do. We want that. But the bigger story is, is that God still has his hand on all people. And so whether whether it rises, whether it falls, there's still an awareness that God is overarching all of this. And there's a day ahead that puts things in order in a way that we don't dream possible now. So in the way of wholehearted living is unto the Lord and in the zealousness of life, I'd just like to ask, when was the last time you went all out for anything? <laughs> When's the last time that that you truly did something with all of your energy? It can be sobering, right? It can be one of those moments where you say, man, I've just been muddling around. Or fear has so controlled me that I've never really given fully of myself. Or, you know, just this, you know, I've been watching others, and I've been double-minded, and I, I haven't really truly committed to anything. Is that how you really want to live life? If our God is zealous... And our hero, Jesus, was zealous. Well then, maybe we can be too. I mean, you don't know until you try. And what's the worst that can happen? You have a temporary disappointment? It's not eternal. So you get up and you go again. But In that, I think there's a thing that says, God, what would you have me to really throw my time into and my energy? I'm not at all disappointed at a four-year-old talking about dinosaurs or a dress. I assume that of them. But I would like to have conversations with adults that aren't stuck on the same things. You know, that truly have captured that the love of God and the love of others is is enough to drive a life. If we're gonna love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, we're gonna love zealously. I just encourage you don't leave here without dealing with the things God's word. outside i well I'll, I'll take care of this later deal with the new let him do all that he wants to in this moment may your blessing rest on these your people may they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives may they discover with joy what it is to be loved by a zealous God and to love zealously back goes into the community, that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural, I ask. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.